everybody, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic, and it's going on longer than I thought. But that's okay, because there are a lot of interesting people that we can talk to during these webinars that will keep us entertained, will learn something, have a good time, and be able to share community. It's so much fun to see how many people come back for these uh, live webinars over and over, and I really appreciate you guys um, supporting me, because um, sometimes you get a like, oh man, I gotta do another one. But it's all good. So thanks a lot. We're gonna um, continue through, I think around December 18th, we'll take a break over the Christmas holidays and then we'll pick it back up in January. So just stay tuned. Remember, you can always sign up for the email to know who the guests are gonna be at murdochmethod.com. Just put your email in there to sign up on the list and you'll get an email every Sunday with the guests for the week. Today, my guest is Shelly Whitehouse, and she was recommended to me by Becky Kells. Um, so this was a really super person who helps uh, us navigate business, if, that, if I have it right. So welcome, Shelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Wendy. This is really fun. Yep. Um, so, um, Shelly, can you just tell everybody, I, like, I really don't know much about your, you know, how you got to do what you're doing, and, and like, so can you give us kind of a ticky tour? Yes. Yeah. So just briefly, um, I am a certified equine assisted coach. So I partner with horses um, and my focus is, has always been personal and professional development. And uh, that was, so my certification was all the way back in 2008. Who did you certify with? Uh, Epona Quest. I actually went through Equine Alchemy and Linda Kahanov. It was before Equine Alchemy is Equine Alchemy. And Lisa was working, Lisa Morrell was working with Linda on launching the very first coach training with facilitation. So it was an integration of the coaching and facilitation, um, which I adore that whole process. And so you, I mean, have you had horses in, in your life all your life? Yes. Or? Yes. Yeah. Since I was about 11. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those girls that, you know, came out of the womb. Where's my pony? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you grow up in North Carolina? I grew up in Northern Indiana. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. And I'll tell, so I'll just tell you my very first pony experience. I usually tell people, okay, you don't have to go all the way back to your first pony, but I'm going to. Oh, sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we lived, you know, in out in the country in in Indiana, which is which was way up near the Michigan border. <clears throat> Lots of cornfields, and we were in like one of the first subdivisions. Like you know, when subdivisions just started taking over. Well, we were like in one of the very first subdivisions. A very long time ago, people. And <laughs> I remember subdivisions. Yeah. <laughs> and so it had been a Christmas tree farm and was turning into a, a subdivision. So. We were one of the first houses and there's lots of um, trees and forest and things like that. And on the other side of the forest was a pony farm. So when I was in third grade, the, there was um, one of the boys that lived on the pony farm was in my class. And I would traipse through the forest and, and go to their farm and we would just hang out with the ponies and we would just jump on a bareback out in the field and just hang on and just did whatever they wanted to do. And of course, you know, that was heaven. Well, one day they told me that their pony uh, buttercup was for sale. And I was like, I want buttercup. I'm going to buy buttercup. So I went home. I'm, I'm eight, like eight years old. I, I walk home, which is, was probably a couple of miles at that time. 
And it, I know it was October because I just had my birthday because I had birthday money. So I had a $10 bill and I had a $35 check. No, I had a $25 check and a $10 bill. So I took the check from my great grandmother and the $10 bill from my other grandmother. And I walked back and they put a saddle and bridle on Buttercup and I handed him my money and then I rode her home <laughs> through the forest to my backyard, which was fenced <laughs> in my in the new subdivision and I put buttercup in the backyard. So my parents, my parents both worked. I was kind of one of the original latchkey kids. So I'm, I'm in the house and buttercups in the backyard. My mom comes home from work <laughs> and there's a pony in our backyard and I've got the saddle and the bridle in my bedroom, you know, <laughs> how old were you? I was eight years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I was a miracle. <laughs> It's a miracle that Pony went with me. Like I rode her home, you know, like she left her herd and she went with this little girl and, <laughs> and I rode her all the way home. So long story short, you know, she called the, she called the parents and they came with the trailer and picked up the Pony. And, oh. And, yeah, yeah, it was devastating. Well, was I, I mean, there's so many things about that story that I find fascinating. One, that the woman sold you the Pony. No, she didn't. Her kids did. Oh, her kids did. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was, they, they were like me. No, they didn't, their parents didn't know a thing about this. They thought they were, you know, wheeling, dealing, and they sold me their pony. <laughs> no, no, another eight-year-old sold me the pony. I got it. Okay. Yeah. But it's a like, perfectly the, legitimate transaction. Yeah. The pony went home with you. And um, so what happened? Did you get to continue to ride Buttercup after that? Or what happened? No, no, she, she was sold, but oh. yeah. Well, then, then it was like they did. Then they found out, you know, we I'd been out there, you know, after school and all that, and there were there wasn't adult supervision, and so that wasn't allowed to happen anymore. Oh no! Yeah, so it was a few years later before I got my my first horse. But well, I came home at fourteen with a bill of sale for my horse and um, told my mother, and was that fourteen or fifteen? I think it was fourteen, turning fifteen, and uh, my dad and my mom were separated. So he converted his two car garage into a barn, which was a quarter mile up the road from my mom where I lived. Um, so I got to keep mine. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Good. That but yeah, no, experience. that's a very familiar sounding story. Yeah. And no. so, so then did, I mean, have you, did you get a horse later in life then after yes. eight years yeah. old? <laughs> yeah. My, my first, I got my first horse when I was 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was only but a few years later. But... Yeah. Uh, and my mom, my mom went with me. Oh, and she was wonderful, but um, I won't take up your time, you know, telling all my first horse stories. No, but it's great. You know, but it started with, you know, how I got into this. And you asked, have I, had I always been around horses? And I know a lot of people come into this work that have a passion and a love for horses, but didn't necessarily grow up with them or have that experience. Right. And, and yet they go on to be, you know, wonderful horse keepers and readers of horse energy and you know, able to facilitate and things like that. You don't have to have grown up with them, but you know, those of us that did, it was right. pretty, we well, were pretty what, lucky. One of the thing, one of the reasons I ask people is because what I find is that the people that I talk to have followed their dreams. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's such an important thing in life that we, you know, if we have a passion that we follow that passion. And I, and I can remember teaching Pony Club and watching this one little kid just literally hang on the fence, but their parents decided she could get a scholarship playing soccer. And oh. so, you know, exactly. And it was so heartbreaking because they weren't following this kid's passion. They were thinking about a scholarship. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that 
we honor those passions and support them so that because ultimately they can become our life, you know, and what we do. So, so when did you get interested in, in combining horses to facilitate um, mm -hmm. um, people in their, in their Yeah, life? yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question because um, at the, I didn't, it's like I knew there was something, like you said, there was a passion, there was this thing that was, I, I knew there was something and I didn't know what it was. And I, I tell the story in my book actually about how I was, I was reading Jack Canfield's book. It's called The um, Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Go. So this is like 06, I'm reading, or 05, something like that. I'm reading his book and there, he has a quiz in there about how to kind of figure out your purpose, right? Wow. And, and so I'm doing the quiz and I get to this part where, you know, I start connecting the dots and it's like, um, anyway, something to do with horses and personal development. And I'm like, I, I have no idea what that, what that means. And I threw the book across the room. I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't want to be a horse trainer. Uh, I'd never heard of coaching, you right. know, like, personal development coach. I never even heard of it at that point. And, and I was kind of a closet personal development junkie. So I was really, you know, interested in, in those kinds of things. But I was just like, I don't know what that means. Well, a short time later, I'm in Barnes and Noble. And I see Linda Kahanov's book, The Tao of Equus. Oh, okay. I didn't recognize her name, but I do recognize the title. So I picked up the book and it changed my life. That was it. I've, I was literally vibrating the whole time I was reading that book and going, oh my God, this exists. Like this exists. This is the thing. <laughs> so to me, that was just kind of like divine timing, you know, cause I was on the search and I knew I had discerned that these were my passions. I didn't know how to connect them. Right. I just didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how to connect them. So it was really her book that did that for me. And then it was, you know, a few, few years later and all kinds of ups and downs before I actually got to go through a, um, a training and, and start to incorporate it into my life. And then shortly after I finished the training, I'm like, okay, I have this new superpower and I'm going to go out there and change the world. And I had, I knew nothing about how to be a business owner or how to get clients or, you know, I just assumed literally I would put, you know, the sign out that says horse coaching and or coaching with horses and people would just think that was the coolest thing. And it didn't quite work out that way. So, you know, I think this is such an important point because I, you know, how many times have you seen a great idea and it's a great idea, but they don't know how to get it to market. Oh yeah. And, and so that's so many places where businesses struggle or not so much business, but someone with a great idea struggles because they don't know how to do the next step. And not everybody's good at all things. You know, I think that's what's so important is that we need to be good at the thing we're good at. And, um, but it requires that we have to recognize that and then figure out how we're going to get the other parts done. <laughs> right. You have to, so many people, they just don't know what they don't know for one thing. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the main thing. And so many people, especially I find in our industry, um, they have, they have superpowers, right? They have really great skills and they, but they have never been an entrepreneur. Right. And it, that's a whole different ball game. And I yeah. feel 
and because personal development is important to me, uh, and, I, and I share this with people, I believe entrepreneurship is the most rigorous personal development program you will ever go through. Hands down. Yeah, I, you I have would got agree to that. become the person that can, <laughs> you know, show up and do the thing. <laughs> okay, so before we dive into that, define for me equine coaching. Or okay. do I have the words backwards? Coaching? No, no, no. It's, it's fine. So you're familiar with equine assisted therapy. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Then there's, um, then there's, you know, hippotherapy where they're riding yep. um, for physical. Um, so hippotherapy is, is a, a physical therapist using the horse as the vehicle to give a physical therapy treatment. Excellent. Great, 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 great. Right. And then psychotherapy is, you know, um, psycho, you know, a psychotherapist working with horses as a, um, a learning adjunct. Okay. Similarly, coaching um, brings horses in as an opportunity for the client to experience themselves, you know, in a setting with another sentient being, because we know horses respond to, and we'll get into talking about this actually, um, how horses respond to our feelings, our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And when we're not in alignment with those, then the horses aren't alignment aren't in alignment with us right and this is different from eal which is equine assisted learning uh, so a little bit different in terms of equine assisted learning is primarily facilitation without mm -hmm. coaching um, and then coaching is where you're where you're helping the client connect the dots and integrate the experience on a different level okay so eal is more that there is an experience and this and coaching is more what does this experience mean yes okay very good plus <laughs> okay um and and then also like and then the, and then to differentiate um coaching from psychotherapy because it may look very much the same right. when you're working with a client um all of those three things eal eac equine assisted coaching and then the equine assisted psychotherapy EAP, they all may look exactly the same to somebody witnessing, but it's the process that is different. And so, then in therapy, we tend to, you know, people come to us or, or are, they're sent, you know, through an organization or something. And it's, okay, this person is having these issues. Let's figure out how they got to this point. Let's figure out what happened and how they got to this point and, you know, see if we can resolve their issue. Whereas in coaching, most of the people, especially people I work with, people are looking for how to get to where they want to go. They need, like you just said, they don't know what either, like they don't know what they don't know, right. or they have a dream or a vision that they don't understand how to bring it to fruition. Right. And then a coach will not only help them um, create their own game plan, but if blocks come up or patterns of behavior or beliefs come up, then they can help them. Um, examine those in a, in a way to help them move forward. So I think I understand EAP is more um, health related. Um, mental health. Mental health related, exactly. Mm -hmm. Whereas coaching is really, um, typically the person would be mentally healthy mm -hmm. and they're, they have a, a problem in business that they're trying to solve and the coaching gives them feedback. and More personal. You know, it might be relationship or, um, but, but a lot of professional, uh, there's a lot of professional coaches for people who are 
um, in, in business or, or perhaps even a career coach, somebody that wants to like move up the career ladder and they don't have the confidence or the skill set to articulate their ideas and things like that. So a coach can help with that too. Okay, great. And All then right. bringing them to the horses, of course, you know, uh, it, it helps to accelerate that, that learning process. Well, that, like you say, horses are so um, honest about how they're going to respond to that, the sort of internal milieu of the individual that's approaching them. Um, and so they, they give really good feedback that way. So do you have some horses that you have used in your coaching? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I call them my, they're my coach partners. Yeah, so they're, they are, they are full-on partners in the coaching process. And um, yeah, several. Um, my main squeeze, his name is Cruiser, and he's been with me for 13 years. Um, and then Dusty and Lily are, are two that are, have been with me for some time now, too, about eight years. And then I also incorporate other horses from the facility. And so those may rotate from time to time, um, depending on who comes in and if the horse wants to do the work or not. Right. So you actually ask your horses whether or not they feel like being a coach that day. Yep. Yep. So, and so, you know, we uh, will base the programming on how many horses, because we have to know that the horses have a right to choose. And so we have to make sure there's enough horses that if somebody says, I don't want to play today, that we can give them that option, um, that kind of thing. So that's a whole other category of just, um, you know, discerning which horses want to play or not. And, um, the health of the horse and the process and that kind of thing. Psychotherapy can actually be um, very taxing on horses emotionally, uh, especially if you have, you know, angry teenagers and things like that. It can be very taxing on them. Uh, so understanding, you know, that's a whole other category of understanding how to, to partner with your horses in this industry so that they stay healthy and engaged as well. And it's so important because that, you know, if they are to be an equal partner in this relationship, um, they, they need to feel their best as well. Mm -hmm. And it's so, you know, when I, I, I've been teaching riding for 30 years and when I can remember many years ago, how draining it was to work with my students in the beginning because I wasn't used to it. And it, and I'm sure that it's the same for horses when they're starting into this process, it can be, um, energetically very demanding yes. because they're reacting and responding to a variety of people that are coming in and out. And um, I would think it's really important that the horses that you use are very clear as to who they are. Yes. Yeah. 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 And just like humans, you know, horses have um, strengths, you know, they have specific strengths and, and they may just, they may decide, <coughs> excuse me, decide amongst themselves um, you know, who's best to serve that client that so day. How do you, someone's asked the question of how do you determine, um, how do you ask your horses which one's ready to work and who's going to work with what client? Yeah. All right. So you, not everybody can do this all the time, but if you can, um, ha if your horses are pretty much in a herd of, you know, three or four or five or 10 or whatever you have, but if you have your herds of horses, you can take your client out into the herd and, and the horses, generally the horse that is meant to work with them or chooses to will come up. And I've had a couple horses come up and then one will, one will, you know, and or, and then some will walk away and one will stay. It's just really interesting. 
Um, if you're running a group, you know, this is a, a little bit different topic, but if you're running a group and you have an agenda and you have certain experiences, you know, set up for the, the workshop or the weekend or whatever it is, you may not always um, be able to have the horse choose, but I've set it up in a way generally so the, uh, the horses will be nearby and usually the ones that are ready to go will stay nearby yeah. and the other ones will go on out. And so, you know, and, and we might ask the client, you know, who do you want to work with, especially if they've been there for a couple of days and they've gotten to know the horses <laughs> and they might mention a horse that's way out there. And I'm like, see, there's a coaching opportunity when there's another horse that's like got his head hanging over the fence and his ears are up and it's like me, me, me. And, and so it's like, okay, how did you discern that that would be the horse that you, you know, need to work with? And how is that going? You know, where's that? And not exact words, but you know, where's that kind of um, decision-making coming up elsewhere in your life? You know, do you always, you know, choose the thing that you have to chase? Right. Or, you know, are you missing an opportunity that's, you know, like calling you right now, you know, like pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And so you, it sounds like you work uh, with individuals and also with groups. Yes. Okay. And like with what are your what is the typical length of your sessions okay so now this depends so if i'm just working one-on-one -on -one with somebody um they may come out for a couple hours usually usually it takes about that amount of time um with me and and because my clients are professionals and we're also usually usually working on developing strategies and those that kinds of things so there's more to it than just the experience. Whereas in an EAL session where somebody's just coming out for an experience, um, they only might, they may only be there 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it depends on um, the, your program. It depends on what you're delivering and who you're delivering it for. So just like any other business, you know, my motto is you got to know who your ideal client is and your program or service needs to be set up to serve that, that client's um, dream come true. Like, what is it that you're helping them achieve? And so, it, right. so you primarily deal with people with business, like people. Yeah, so for me, my ideal client right. is the equine assisted practitioner. And that is this, the coach, facilitator, therapist. I work with trainers. I work with people who do energy work, um, body work on horses, um, teach horseback riding, you know, people who are working with horses and humans and are interested in the the human becoming a better person as a result of working with the horses <laughs> well, I, you know, like, that's the bottom line yeah exactly <laughs> that's how we help horses yeah, we help absolutely. the humans be better yep and and you know i came to that conclusion many years ago because i started out only wanting to work with the horse and then I had a severe accident. I met Linda Tellington Jones. Then I met Sally Swift. Then I started working with the riders. Then I took the Feldenkrais method training. And then it was like, I have to work with the riders off the horses because the conclusion I came to is that if I worked with the horse, I would only help that horse in the time he was in my hands. And then I had to turn him back over. But if I changed one person, I changed every horse they touched. Exactly. And Doesn't so, that feel good? Yeah. Okay, that's the ripple effect. That's the thing I like people to get to. I'm like, what's the ripple effect? That's your, that's your juice. Yeah. You know, that's your why is, oh, if, if I help that one person, then every horse they come in contact with is going to be 
is going to benefit. Right. Right. And I feel the same way with non-horsey people. Meaning I feel like our industry, especially those who are serving non-horsey people, even though they're coming to work with horses, they may not have ever had a horse encounter before. They're helping to educate, uh, they're helping to educate non-horsey people on the beauty and benefit of horses, which helps to me, just makes the world a kinder place. Mm. You know, that's, that's my why is, is that ripple effect. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. So um, the other thing is that so many horse people are really good at what they do, but they're not really good at how they expand their business or promote their business. And so I'm sure that there's a lot that you work with these people to kind of help them navigate that. I'm just going to grab a drink here. Yeah, I do. I, um, yeah, I have a whole process that I take, just like, you know, you have a process for helping the human realign themselves and expand their awareness and understand the horse and all of that. So my process is similar to what I learned from working with horses in terms of you need a solid foundation if you're going to do the upper level stuff. You've got to have a really solid foundation. You have to know where your feet are. <laughs> you know, you have to be in condition. Um, you have to know where you're going. What's the, what's the end result you're, you're working for? Um, and so I have a whole process for helping them, especially new entrepreneurs, create a foundation that they can really build and expand their business on. A lot of people come and they have this skill, but they don't really have a business. And they don't really have something that they could market. You don't necessarily have to have a website. You don't have to have all lots of fancy bells and expensive technology running your show for you. Eventually, you're going to want some of those things. But for the most part, you know, you need a a really solid message. You need a really solid program to enroll people into that you know will provide them the results they're seeking. So you got to know who who your ideal client is. And, and, that, and that can be scary for people. It's like, um, it's a commitment. You know, that's a, it's a scary commitment for people because they worry, well, what if I change my mind? Or what if I really have a different ideal client? And you know, what I do is good for everybody. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know. And, you know, my motto is, if you're talking to everybody, nobody is listening. Oh, say that again. If you're talking to everybody, nobody is listening. Wow. That, you know, that is so profound in so many ways. Um, because, you know, in my, in my career, like I've taught riding for over 30 years and I, and I've always had to make decisions about the direction that I wanted my business to go, either in, whether it was expanding or who my, who my clientele really is. Um, and, and, it's, and I'm, I finally came to the, I, I'm a boutique teacher. I am not for everybody, you know, Me too. I, I, right, exactly. And so, you know, my clients are typically, well, uh, very curious, very interested in learning and willing to take responsibility. Um, and I think that that's such for me when I realize that, because there's a lot of riding people who ride that just want someone to tell them what to do so they don't have to think. Um, but that's not my client because I won't let them. I'm always asking them. I teach very Socratically and I'm always driving them crazy with questions. <laughs> that's why your webinars are so good because you ask great questions. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, because that's the, you know that's the thing for me that that I'm uh, I like to learn about. Um, well, for the webinars, you know, who is this person I'm talking to, and what is their extra, and how they get here, and that's why I always, I always love to know this the backstory of how you wound up where you're doing. So, so you've been doing this now and teaching uh, entrepreneurs for how about long? Twelve years. Twelve years, right? Okay. So, so no, 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 no. Um, I did get uh, marketing training. Uh, back in like 2009, 2010. Um, and I started working with entrepreneurs. And then, um, then I started helping Equine Alchemy with their program and actually teaching facilitation and uh, integrating the coaching and horses uh, in a facilitation um, with facilitation and coaching. And we were running the training with the horses at my place in Raleigh. Oh, okay. And so we did that for about four years. And this is how I came to write the book. So tell so, us the name of your book. Oh, it's The Business of Coaching with Horses. Okay, great. Great title. <laughs> Business of Coaching with Horses, yes. And I, I was hosting Linda Kahanov here in Raleigh, and she was doing her Master Herder. If you've read her book, um, Five Roles of the Master Herder, um, she was primarily focusing on that book. And so she, we were doing a, a three-day training, and there were... Um, 16 participants there were uh, 10 participants and six auditors so out of that group of and then myself linda lisa morell and another um handler so there was like 20 people total total and at the end of this weekend we're sitting in the big circle at the end of the weekend, like you do, and you go around and know oh, what's your aha, what's, what's your brilliant takeaway, how's your life changed as a result of this experience kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there, for, fortunately, towards the end of the circle, and I'm, I'm listening to these people talk, and I'm noticing that the majority of the people there, some, many of them had been doing the work longer than I had, much longer than I had, they were brilliant. They were so good at what they're doing. And only two people in that entire circle of 20 was making any money doing at, mm -hmm. at this work. Everybody had other jobs and, or like me, was barely making ends meet, you know, just, just squeaking through. <laughs> and I was feeling really angry. Like I just had all this this anger and emotion building up. And I didn't know what it was at first. I was just listening to people and I felt this anger building up. I didn't know what it was. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do when it comes to me? What am I going to say? You know, everybody's like gushing and I'm going to like go, bleh. <laughs> I was like, I'm not digging this at all. I don't know what's going on, but I don't. Anyway, it finally dawned on me that that was the issue, that that was really making me angry, that why don't these people, why aren't these people making a living? This is important. Like this is life-changing work. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to me, that's what I said that I am, you know, I'm shocked that this isn't more mainstream, that more people aren't engaging in this form of personal and professional transformation. And I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something about it. And that was it. I made that declaration. So that was in May of 2017. And by the end of June that year, like the book downloaded and I just started writing it. Mm -hmm. And then I published it in November of that year. 
And then a year later it went to, um, it, it got picked up by publisher and now it's in paperback. So that was, and that's what I've been doing ever since. I'm like, I, this is my calling now. I have the empathy. I have the experience. I have the knowledge and I'm putting them all together because to help people develop their practices in a way where they can actually continue to engage clients on a regular basis and, and build a business. You know, it's so interesting learning, uh, listening to you because as a, you know, I, I work with other writing instructors and I work with other professionals and have for a very long time. And one of the consistent things, and I'm curious, is your practice 99% women? Oh yeah. It's a hundred percent women. Right. Um, and that what I, sometimes a husband will jump in. Yeah. It's basically women and how much professional women undervalue themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, I mean, I've sat with professional trimmers, all women. And I said, you all need to raise your rates, you know, write what, write down what your rate is. Okay. And then flip the paper over and put down what it is 25% higher. Mm-hmm. And they, they were horrified that I should even suggest that they raise their rates. But what I consistently see is that uh, women in business, at least in the horse world, undervalue mm-hmm. and are so worried about, you know, well, will I lose clients? Okay. Um, and I really like this person. Those are the two things. I really like this client. I don't want to lose them. But, you know, what I've always told them is if, if they value you, they will pay you what you are worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just curious if that comes up a lot in your coach. Oh, oh, it's paramount. Yeah. Paramount. As a matter of fact, I have a whole, I have two things that I do around money specifically in, in the course, there's a whole module that we look at just on, you know, money and soul. It's like your beliefs. Yep. Your sound money. got low. I don't know oh. if, here we can, go. How, can you hear me? Better. Okay. Yep. But we talk about money and soul you know, what's, what, how is it affecting your purpose is your beliefs around money. And then I also have a whole three part webinar or a series, a training series uh, called reflections of money. And when people work with me, they get that as a, as a prep, because I want them coming into our work together, uh, wide open on the money issue. Like, how is this affecting your life? How has it been running your life? And what do you want to change? If you don't yeah. want to change anything, that's fine. You can, you know, and I want to raise the standards of the industry. So right. I want people to, to be professional in their presentation, professional in their delivery. They need to be qualified and professional in their delivery, but also pro- professional in their, um, in their pricing. Right. If you're undervaluing your pricing, people will go, wow, this sounds really interesting. Oh, wow. Let's see, $25 for you know, a half, or $75 for a half a day with that person, that doesn't sound right. You know, they would, you know, it just doesn't sound right. It's too, it's not congruent with what you're, what you're offering. Yeah. Your sound is still low. Oh, I'm not sure. You know what? I swear. Oh, wait, it just got better. It did? When you got closer. Okay. I'll get closer then. Yeah. I don't know why it's doing that. Well, maybe I'm not sure that your earpiece is actually working. Yeah, maybe it's not. Uh, let me now, is it the same? No, it's actually worse. Okay. Okay. Okay, how's that? Try it again. Oh. 
Let's see. Better. Is it better? Yep. Okay. I'm going to hold this. Maybe that yeah. will help. <clears throat> okay. Thanks for that. No worries. But, but yeah, you know, and, and what I find is men don't seem to have a problem asking for more than they're worth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> most do not. Yeah. Yep. And, and they actually think they're actually surprised to learn that that's an issue. Yes. For most women. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I talk about that in depth in my reflections of money piece because it's a social conditioning that it's, it's historical and has been ingrained in us for thousands of years. And to me, this, I get really excited about this. We're like the first generation. Well, you know, the women who, who marched for the right to vote and all of that. So it's only been a hundred years. It's only been a hundred years. <laughs> I mean, come on. And, and so think about how that social conditioning for thousands of years yes. is ingrained in our DNA as second-class citizens. And, and we're just now breaking out of that mindset and we're starting to behave as if we are not secondhand citizens. We are actually as valuable as every other male out there. And we have these gifts that we are laying on the table and, and asking for compensation is terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying because. And compensation doesn't have to be money and, and no. you don't have to actually be in business to relate to this no. because anytime we're doing anything for anyone else, that's our time and our energy. And so the sort of give back or the reciprocity or the respect, that comes back from that output needs to be in balance. Yes. Um, and so, you know, while I understand most of the time you're talking about business, but there is also that in relationships, in relationships with our horse also. Yes. Um, and there are, so, you know, I, I work with a lot of people that may have an inappropriate horse and, you know, sometimes I tell them it's okay to get a divorce. It's okay that you need to have a horse that works with you, not a horse you're constantly struggling with because it's a, a temperament mismatch or a personality. That's mismatch. not best for the horse either. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Um, I, I have a lot of principles of uh, business that I associate with, with horse behavior and personal leadership and things like that and what we learn from them. Um, so somebody just asked the question, is your book relevant to other equine professionals outside of equine coaching? I think you're just already answering that. Yes. Question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Any, anybody that like I, like I shared, if um, your desire is to help change the human through their interactions with horses, um, then yes, that's, this book is for you. <clears throat> yeah. And and it's so, you know, these are all metaphors for our larger engagement in the world, our association with other people, our association if we have children. Um, and we're particularly uh, taxed right now because of the pandemic, which is affecting so many people's income yeah. and livelihood and, um, you know, job situations. But I, I keep looking at the pandemic as the perfect opportunity to change. Yeah. Right? Just like you were saying, you know, when you're talking about um, reading that book and tossing it and then finding the Tao of Equus. I don't know if you've ever read a book called Illusions by Richard Bach. Of course. Okay, well, I figured, times. but that is like my, one of my favorites. Oh my God, I actually just reread it um, just this past spring. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because it, 
it, to me, it speaks of opportunity and we just have to focus our lens. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to talk to that for just a minute, just in terms of uh, horse behavior and understanding how they behave and how we can align with them is exactly the same way you would align with a business partner or a client or a spouse. But in terms of, you know, how horses navigate the world and what's important to them. And one of the first things and a leader, because horses are always looking for a leader. We all know this, right? They're always looking for who's the leader. Because if you're not the leader, I got to find out who the leader is, or I have to be the leader. And I'm, you know, not every horse wants to be the leader, mm. right? And so there, there's four main things I think that are really important to them. One is attention or awareness. Like they're really good at aware, 360 degree awareness, right? Of environment and humans are not so great at environmental awareness and so for a horse and they want to know what what where's your attention and are you aware of what's going on with me do you know what's going on with you and do you know what's going on around here mm, yeah. and those three things are really important to a horse and i you know i often see people who have a horse that is, say, a natural sentinel. So in the roles of the herd, you know, you've your lead mare, your stallion, your, um, your sentinels, and then there's many other, but those are the three that I, that I focus on, especially in leadership development, right? When, whenever we're focused on leadership development. Um, and a sentinel, and as, well, all three of them, they're always, they're always aware of what's going on around them. If they hear a sound or they see something out of the corner of their eye or they just they always know and their role is to make sure everybody else knows what's going on also that's how they stay safe that's how they communicate so as a human if we have a horse that we think is distracted and not paying attention to us and we're jerking on them and hey i'm over here pay attention to me you know you're getting you know my horse is so add that kind of thing there's our, there's the, the horse is telling you, pay attention. I don't know if we're safe. Can you just check out what I'm looking at? Can you notice what I notice? And when you do, they will so very often turn right to you. They'll drop their head. They'll lick and chew. They're like, oh, thank God. You do know that what's going on. Oh, that's nothing. Okay. Thank you for affirming that. Right. It's that simple. And it can take a second but we as humans our attention is on what we want and what we want is our horse to pay attention to us what we want is for clients to pay attention to us we want them to find us what we want is our husband to listen to us you know and we get so focused on what we want we're missing what's actually happening happening what's the reality and that i think is one of the most important lessons of stepping into your role as an entrepreneur, your role as a business owner, is really being able to notice what's going on around you, what's going on with the people you're working with or, it, or want to work with, and what's going on with you. Because if you can't get congruent with yourself, then nobody else will be able to align with you either. Wow, that, you know, that's so interesting to hear you say that. And I don't know if you're familiar with Sharon Wilsey from Horse Speak because- um, I know the name. Okay, so this is I, your homework assignment, okay? To check out- Yeah, yeah. Write it down. Sharon um, Wilsey. 
I've had her on for eight webinars now, or nine. Awesome. Great friends, we're really good friends. But she talks about this, the the horse that's looking, and that if you put your attention on what they're looking at, they will come back to you, and you've just said it. But but what I love is that what you've done is also take that outside of just working with horses, but to whether that's your clients, whether that's your spouse, whether that to to take a moment. Your children. To, yeah, your children to pay attention to what they're paying attention to. That's right. really a fascinating. I'm going to have to think about that and um, think about that more. Um, yeah, somebody's just made. Yeah, Sharon Woolsey's book Horse Speak, and Sharon's just um, she's she's a brilliant person, and she has spent time sitting with horses and and recognizing that they have a communication system between them, like a, an actual language, and she's decoded and encoded it so we can speak in their language. Oh, I love that. Thanks for yeah. sharing that, Bobby, because I didn't have the spelling right. Yep, yep. So you'll love that. Um, it's really awesome. But, you know, it's, it's what I find with these webinars over and over is that when I talk to all these different guests, we keep coming back to these archetypal principles, these similarities, um, the idea of acknowledging what someone else is paying attention to, the idea of being congruent, to Sharon will call it being at zero, um, you know, being grounded. And um, it's just fascinating to hear you talk about that as well uh, from yet another perspective. Um, so one of the other things that I feel uh, around horses, too, is, is um, well, two things, and that the other two are direction and energy. So a horse needs to know where you're going. Where are we going? Do you know where we're going? <laughs> and, and so that when you're, when you're clear on where they're going, where you're, where you're going, they're much more likely to follow you, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of business and leadership, when as a leader of your business, you know, personal and or professional, if you're the leader of a team or you're just the leader, you know, you're the chef, the cook and the bottle washer in your own business, you have to know where you're going if you want people to follow you. So direction is very important. If you want your herd to go with you, you need to be clear on where you're going. In terms of leadership, um, and, I, and we get this with teams a lot when people are managers of teams and such. So even if you're, you know, you're listening to this and you're, you know, an executive director of a, of a team of people, um, think about what you're asking them to do and where are they going as a result of doing that thing? And what is the, what is the energy behind it? And then I've got a great mentor who uses the analogy of a wildfire. So in a herd of wild horses, if there's a, a smoke coming over the horizon, how quickly are they going to move away from that smoke? Pretty, Pretty quickly. Probably a dead run. They're out of there. Okay. That's the amount of energy that is required to achieve the distance they need to get away from the wildfire. So if you have your domestic horses uh, are out in the field and the neighbor's burning his leaves, you could do that in the east where in the fall, you can't do that out west, but you know, your neighbor's burning his leaves and the smoke's coming over, you know, how quickly are they gonna move away from that? They're probably gonna just, you know, move to another location, maybe walk back towards the barn or move to another part of the pasture, but they're not worried about dying in a wildfire. They're just going to move away. And generally, it will be the lead mare leading them there. So the leader 
is responsible for how they utilize the energy of the herd. Horses don't like it when you waste their energy. Mm, they're energy conservationists. Yep. And if you're making them, if you're wasting their energy and you don't know what the purpose is of what it is you're doing or why this is important for them, then they're not going to want to do the thing. Same with teams of people and same with your clients. You want clients to hurry up and enroll with you. But if they don't understand the benefit of getting with you now and how is that going to enhance their life, then it's the energy is not congruent. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so uh, you got to have direction, energy, and attention all at the same time. Right. And somebody recently told me that um, rather than trying to work a problem forward to work it backward, and I think you're kind of saying the same thing, that you have to know what it is you want them to go toward because if it's just to go in this direction, but you don't seem to have, you know, you're kind of wandering around, then you don't have a plan, <laughs> them, right? Or they're just going to stop moving and go, why should I do this? Um, so it's important to, to understand what it is you're trying to achieve before you start action, acting for an action. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's your plan. That's your whole it is working backwards. And that's what I do because people will, people will contact me and, or they'll tell me their biggest problem is marketing. I, you know, I don't know how to market my business. And then when we start talking, I find out that they don't really have a business to market yet. Ah. They have a skill, but they don't really have a business. They don't have an opportunity for people to follow them, get to know them. Um, and, and so they and they don't have a, a place to lead people once they connect with them. They don't have anywhere for them to go other than here's my workshop, come and take it. You know, and it's like, I don't even know who you are. Why would I sign up with this? And, and I don't know, what do we do with horses? You know, so it's just like um, having a really clear message and way for people to engage so that right. they can, yeah. So then come and work with you. Cause they'll go, Oh my God, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Right. Because right. they're looking for something. Right. And that's that. Yeah. You're the people who come to you, they're already searching for something and they're going to, the question is, are you clear about what you're offering and can they find you? Right. So people say, Oh, I want to work with women in transition. Okay. Well, women who, you know, women go through so many different transitions, <laughs> multitudes of transitions in their lifetime. And I'm going to guarantee you that none of them are searching to solve their problem by typing in women in transition into their Google. Mm. None of them. They're looking for to solve a specific problem. How am I going to deal with these hot flashes? You know, what if I can't have sex anymore? You know, how, my teenage kids are driving me insane. You, you know, those are things are... My, my kids are gone and now I don't know how to talk to my husband. Like those are real things that right. people are, that are suffering with or, or, or um, struggling. And, and so be really specific when you're offering to help somebody. Well, it's so interesting because the, these are so many ways to look at, not just business, but to look at life and, look at how our horses can um, give us feedback in that. 
you know. And so I think, so if you were to describe like a session when you have someone, so do you work in a round pen? Do you work in a square pen? Do you work in a paddock? You, All of it. Okay. And uh, it depends on the client. It depends on the um, agenda. You know, if it's a group, it's a, if it's, you know, work in giant arenas. I've been, you know, I, I often work with an organization called Teaching Horse and they only work with um, corporate clients. And we might, we, we've had up to 40 people at a time. Wow. And we'll have, you know, uh, eight, we'll have uh, like six facilitators and then two horse handler people that are watching, you know, safety and all that stuff. And, and then we'll switch groups kind of thing. So, and we, and we have horses at Liberty, so it can be very dynamic. And then there can just be the one-on-one -on -one experience where we're standing out with the herd and having a coaching session with just one person. So it can be all of it. There's people that um, work primarily in a round pen. There's people that only ever work out in the herd with the horses. You know, there's uh, so many, so many different modalities of um, engaging. So I have one interesting question during the pandemic now, so much of us can't meet in person. So have you figured out a way to coach via Zoom? Oh, that my whole business is Zoom. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, my whole business is Zoom. And so for me, this is how, this is how I work. Um, all of my clients work with me via Zoom. And right now I cannot stress enough how important it is to have an online uh, training platform to deliver whatever your special brand of magic is, you still incorporate the, the horse wisdom. They're part of what you do and who you are until people can meet in person. Now, some people can do small groups and things like that now. So that's great. But for those who cannot, it is so important, I believe, to get a, a, an online platform going. Then some people, you can even, you know, take your Zoom camera out to the horses you well, know that's you can take your phone and so, actually have them yeah yeah, yeah. so people do that too people have you can have people um videotape themselves live or have somebody hold the camera for them or you know you're watching them we've done that um but for me personally and this is how i've designed my business now and it's you know it's it's uh, morphed many times over the years but i work with people first just to develop the platform of their business I call it the quantum leap readiness program so that you can get ready to take that quantum leap because you're not ready yet. <laughs> Some are, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then um, about four times a year, I'll have a small retreat where four people will come and work with me one-on-one -on -one and, and they're people that have already got that platform in place. Mm -hmm. And then we do some more um, deeper work on their business and their messaging and content development and things like that. And then I also have a higher end, um, meaning they're ready to go to another place with their marketing and all that uh, development program for people that have already completed the first um, program. I haven't done any, since, I haven't done any programs since March uh, in person, personally. Yeah. And I probably won't until next uh, April. Right. Oh, no, I haven't, uh, I haven't taught any riding since March. I've been working on Surefoot, which I'm so grateful I have a product side to my life. Um, and it's been, it's been morphing and growing. But I, I want to bring out that point because I think this is so important. You said it's changed so many times. And mm -hmm. I think people get so stuck in, they they, if they've made a commitment to a model, they have to stick with that model. But, you know, 
things change and I think being able to change with it, like I'm completely rebranding Surefoot now and we're going to launch it in January because of a little glitch that I didn't realize. And so I took the opportunity instead of just going back and fixing the glitch, I was like, fine, we're going to rebrand completely. <laughs> yeah, because as you grow and change uh, and your messaging changes and your focus changes, you know, so will your business model. Um, you know, my business model, my um, training has gotten, to me, it's gotten um, deeper and, and better because I've, you know, done it so many times now. And I realized, okay, now I need to, now I need to be able to take them to this next place. So it's expanded, you know, and then, and then how can I support them once they've completed that? Okay, now I know we can do this. And so then that gets added on. And, and everybody's will. Yeah. Uh, well, you do this long enough, you know, it's going to shift and change. You'll go do another training. Um, like uh, Bobby McIntyre, who's on here, she's, uh, she's great with um, mo emotions and learning your messages behind your emotions. And she's worked with Carla McLaren. And, you know, so she uh, went through training and then realized, wow, that's the thing that really gets me and did more training on that and is delivering that. So you can you know, you're going to grow and morph forever. Um, but that, but don't wait until you think you have all the pieces to start. Exactly. You've got to start. Somebody just said change is really difficult for most people, a real stumbling block. But I think, you, you know, it's changing breeds change. You know, like if you change once, you realize, oh, I did that and I survived. And then you can do it again. And then you realize, oh, okay. So, it, you know, it's okay. And people will follow me. And it, and it's, and if, again, if we are really true to what our passion is, people will follow us through those changes and accept them. I'm just yeah, like, and if they don't, then they weren't meant to go forward with you anyway. Yeah, and and uh, just get started. So I I recently just launched a quiz on my Murdoch Method page to determine what Surefoot Pad people should get for their horse the first time. And I've tried, I've been working on for, well, trying to get somebody to do it for two and a half years. And we finally found this really great little plug-in that we plugged into my site. Um, and at first it wasn't working great, but you know, that's when I talked to the guy who's created the plugin, he's like, yeah, you just have to get started and you can keep fixing it and changing it, improving it on the fly. And so we've gone through a couple iterations and, you know, we need to practice, put into practice these ideas just so that we know what to change. Cause if you don't, if it's all theoretical in your head, you won't know where to go with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's being like fluid. That's, that's to me, that's a great definition of how to navigate uncertainty. You don't know. And it's all a grand experiment. Yep. All of it. It's just a grand experiment. That's why I always tell my clients, like, oh, but what if, what if, what if? I'm like, I don't know. Just, you got to try. <laughs> Throw it up against the wall. You know, we'll prepare as best we can. Yep. And then and not everything's back. You know? And then all, whatever comes back is information. Yep. If it, if it doesn't work let you know then we'll make adjustments if it does work cool let's do more of that until you we see what else needs to happen so it's always like and people who work with horses and people who facilitate with horses um this is something you, you that if you're good you do this instinctually but i want to bring it to your awareness i want to bring it to conscious awareness is how you do it in your business but when you're working with horses and a client, if you're basically you're creating space, you're holding space for them to experience each other, you and your client. 
and without forcing your agenda or what you think the outcome without you think uh, pushing what you think the outcome should be you know people say oh, i want my i want them to have a good experience well maybe that's not what needs to happen for them yeah. maybe what needs to happen for them is a difficult experience for them to work through to find their power or their source and so it's not up to us to decide what's supposed to happen but we can lean into what wants to happen we can notice where it's going and what wants to happen and help them you know not back out of it not run away from it but to stay there and go through it and that's the same thing with your business it's going to get scary because if you're if you're growing <sighs> growing pains suck <laughs> <laughs> right but don't don't run away stay there you know even if it's uncomfortable and and lean in you know just keep stay there and lean into it it will it will change it will shift you will change you will grow it space will appear clients will appear you know it, it will happen but yep. yeah it's forever it's not like a one and done kind of thing this oh, is no. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you know that. <laughs> I, I so know this. It's I so and, and you know, you just like like I said, you just you've gotta give it a shot. And then if it doesn't work out, or if, you know, like I just I sent some prototypes out and I came back and there was a color in the product and it wound up on the horse's feet. And it's oh. it's not my surefoot pads, it's something else that we're working on. But I was like, oh, that's a problem. We have to solve that problem, <laughs> you know. So um, so but but you don't know until you send it out there and see what comes back and see okay so i need to adjust this and you know i'm a feldenkrais practitioner i'm not sure you're familiar okay so um dr feldenkrais talked about approximations you know and he would say first approximation second approximation and each time you get a little closer to what the vision is or what you think it is or what it should be but you've got to go out and experiment and keep doing these versions right any document has versions and so does your 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 ideas and your job and you just keep seeing which version is working better and go with that um, mm -hmm. yeah and i you know well said. yeah so and and somebody just said need to embrace the fear i i think sometimes it's more the anxiety i mean like it's not full-blown fear unless it's like i'm going to spend my last dollar um but there's um and you know the need to feel accepted i think is so critical and you feel like if you put out an idea that fails you're no longer accepted well that's only if you don't accept yourself right um and it's very vulnerable it is but yes i think vulnerability is more it than fear. and that's what linda linda kahanov talks about the that the uh sensations physical sensations of fear and vulnerability are very much the same yeah people think that's fear that they're experiencing but they're not actually going going to be eaten by a mountain lion they're actually going to be seen for the first time as their authentic self and nobody knows them as that and that's very scary so yeah, yeah i think that that's, that's vulnerable really really great point yeah. well shelly this has just been such a pleasure to talk with you it's you been a well. fascinating hour and i really appreciate you taking the time and um and educating us a bit more about equine coaching and just what you're up to um you you said you have a website if you want oh, oh yeah do you want me to type yeah. it in yeah sure it's pretty simple although my name's spelled uh differently than most shelley's um see if i can see correctly here um but it's shelley s-c-h-e-l-l-i whitehouse just like our nation's capital um 
com, and then you can get the book there. And also you could, um, for those of you who are interested, you can actually download the PDF version of the book for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to uh, purchase the paperback, you, you, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whoever, there's links to whatever your favorite bookstore is. You can do that too. It's called The Business of Coaching with Horses. And it's uh, how to reach more clients, feed your horses and change the world. That's awesome. Thank you, Shelly, so much. This has been really a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yep. So. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, our, next yeah. our next webinar, let me just check real quick. I can't remember what it is. Uh, oh, I remember now. It's Andrea Wadey. It's tomorrow at 1 o'clock because I forgot to record her last time. It was such a fabulous webinar talking about uh, liberty training for traumatized horses. So please tune in tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern uh, Standard Time, and we'll see you all there. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks.